You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Good morning. How are we? You good? Come on now. Got to have a little bit more energy out of this. I know it's raining outside, but come on. Let's, let's have some fun today. My name is Trey Williford, and you are a beautiful, beautiful room full of eyeballs. I love it. Just the prettiest eyes I've ever seen. Um, I'm one of the elders here at at Citizens Church, and I'm so excited to be able to uh, be preaching today. We're bringing the word. Um, As Joe already alluded to, there's been uh, a little bit of a a COVID setback this week, we'll call it, and uh, I wasn't scheduled to preach. They try to keep me from up here as often as they can, but... um, Evidently, the qualifications were if you were an elder and you've preached before and you don't have COVID, raise your hand. So I was like, well, that's me. I can do it. So uh, here we are. So you're stuck with me for the next 25, 30 minutes. But uh, here's the good news. Um, God is, is he's already been here. He's already doing ministry um, through worship, through the word. Uh, the first service was really, really sweet. And so we're just going to pray that, uh, that he'll continue to do what only he can do. Uh, in fact, um, I'm hopeful today that uh, we'll just accomplish a few things. Number one, we're, we're in this, this sermon series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's going to continue after the, 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 the new year starts. We'll be in Advent starting next week for the next four weeks, and then in January we'll pick back up on the Sermon on the Mount, Jamie and Will, and it's going to be uh, fantastic um, getting it more into the, the later verses in, in Matthew 5. So today, I'm going to just recap the Beatitudes. And so if, you've, if you weren't here for any of it, um, then this will just be a good, uh, just a good overview. If you were here for all of it, same thing, it'll be a good overview. And then if I don't do anything else, I'd love to just pique your interest and kind of whet your appetite and give you a sample of each one of these Beatitudes. You know, um, like the sample person at the ice cream place that's never been in an ice cream shop before, and they sample everything, you know. I'm convinced they need a second line for people that have been to an ice cream parlor before that just know what they want. Butter pecan and waffle cone, and I'm good, but not Sally Sample Pants that eats everything, and I'm just sitting back there just waiting. Um, so anyway, that's not even why I'm here. I'm not even, I don't know why, where they came from. But So we're going to sample each one of these Beatitudes. Um, and, uh, and, and then the other hope is that you would want to go to our website and listen to each one of them because each one of them, they're power packed with lots of truth and lots of life changing, just scripture, uh, and, and, and good stuff. So hopefully I'll do that. And then the other big thing I want to do today is make much of Jesus, right? This is all for him. This is all about him. As that, that song said, it's one story. The Bible is one story, all pointing to Jesus. And so today we want to make much of Jesus. And then, um, um, also, that we would leave here challenged and ready to accept the invitation by God to enter into this new life, this, this, this kingdom of God life, which is what he's calling us to do. So having said all that, let me pray for us and then we'll jump right in. Father, thank you for this day that you made. May we rejoice and be glad in it. I pray um, that you would speak through me now and God, um, do what only you can do. Uh, this is, these are, are your, um, your, your sheep, your people. Um, and so God, would you just uh, feed them today? Let them leave here today after having just feasted at your table of truth. And God, I pray that we would leave here challenged and convicted and changed um, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So the Sermon on the Mount is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 5, go ahead and turn there if you're not there already. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all the verses up front. I'm just going to start in Matthew 5, verse 3, when Jesus opens his mouth and starts teaching. Uh, And again, we're recapping the Beatitudes with the intent that you would just have your appetite just a little bit um, just enticed to go study this more by listening to the sermons that are out there, and they're all really good. So verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Understand something, uh, Jesus is starting his earthly ministry, and this is the first recorded sermon in Matthew, and um, it's, it's interesting because Jesus is coming preaching what? The kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God, and all of the Jews in, in, under the Roman uh, rule, they want someone to come and bring, usher in a kingdom that's going to overthrow Rome, Right? And with force and might and, 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 and run the Romans out and establish a new, you know, Jerusalem as they want it to be, right? That's the kingdom in their mind. And here Jesus comes in saying, hey, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not the message that these hearers wanted, because think about it, he's also about to engage in his earthly ministry where he's going to feed people out of thin air, right? I mean, he's going to take right, a number five from Long John Silvers and feed 5,000 people, right? He's going to, so a, a man, think about it, a man that can replenish food and supplies just by saying the word, a man that could heal soldiers that are hurt and wounded and even raise them from the dead, a man with all the power of heaven and earth at his disposal, that's the kind of guy you want to come in and usher in this new kingdom. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, not exactly what you want to hear if you're wanting this powerful kingdom to be ushered in. But what Jesus is saying is, to be spiritually empty is what it is to be poor in spirit. In Scripture, in the Old Testament, poor doesn't only mean poverty physically. It often is talking about those that realize they need God for everything, both physical and spiritual. And this is what Isaiah meant when he proclaimed, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He's not talking about a socioeconomic group of people. He's talking about a a spiritually starved people. That's who he is going to preach the good news to. Same thing Isaiah said in the year that King Uzziah died. This is in Isaiah 6. He saw the Lord sitting on the throne, and it describes this beautiful uh, scene where he sees God in all of his glory, and his only reaction is to utter the words, Woe is me, for I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So when we rightly see Jesus, when we rightly see the Lord, our response is, yeah, I'm poor in spirit. But here's the good news about the upside-down world of the kingdom of God That's when you're blessed. And we've been saying this throughout the sermon series. The word blessed means to be flourishing. So that's when you're flourishing is when you're poor in spirit. When you recognize that your best is filthy rags. When you recognize that it's not up to you. When you recognize that you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps because you don't have straps and you got no boots. That's when we are 
poor in spirit and we are blessed. We're flourishing. We're successful. We're living life in the kingdom and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is ours when we recognize that we're poor in spirit. So that is a great way to start a sermon. And I'm sure uh, just like us hearing it today, it was tough to hear then, but it doesn't make it any less true. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Um, again, this, is, this doesn't make sense. Flourishing, successful, thriving, happy are those who mourn. Jamin said it best when he preached this particular verse. Um, sometimes the most Christian thing that we can do is just mourn. And that's okay. You know, we live in a world where there's some things that just can't be explained. And every one of us, if you've lived long enough, you've experienced loss at some level, right? Maybe it's the loss of a, a marriage or the loss of a loved one, or the loss of a spouse or a parent or a child, um, the loss of a job, the loss of something has happened to most of us in this room where we can say that it was devastating, right? And I'll give you a personal example. Um, today, you know, again, they don't let me preach very often, but when they do, my family comes in and takes up about eight rows of, uh, uh, of the sanctuary, and we all just go celebrate and eat. And uh, today, we should be going to my mom and dad's house, right? And we should be hanging out. I should be sitting on the couch next to my dad, we should be watching the Cowboys lose another heartbreaker today. I'm sorry, I'm not prophetic. It's just, it's what's going to happen. I'm just saying. Um, we should be talking about the good old days in the 70s and the 90s and the five rings we got and still bragging on that. In fact, the, the, the fact that it's been 20 plus years doesn't matter. We're Cowboy fans. And that's not going to happen today because you know what? Before he was even 60, he was diagnosed with this evil, awful disease called early onset dementia, and um, man, it wasn't part of anyone's plan, but it happened, and we did the best we could, and I know that man mourned as much as he knew during that process. He was mourning what was happening as it was happening kind of right before his eyes, and we, of course, were mourning, and then um, in, in 2017, he went from being here uh, mourning to being in the presence of Jesus fully healed, restored, and comforted. And so I know when I read, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. That's true for him. That's, that's my dad's reality right now. He is whole and singing and dancing in the presence of Jesus, but we still mourn. I hate it for my mom who, who still mourns. I, I don't want that for her. I wish she could be celebrating these golden years of her life with her husband, but it's okay. We have to mourn because that sometimes is just the most godly thing we can do. And here's the promise. Those who mourn, they will be comforted. It doesn't say they're comforted right now fully in the here and now, but it says they will be comforted. So friend, if you have experienced devastating loss, have freedom to mourn and know that faithful is your God and you one day 
will not mourn. Revelation tells us what's going to happen. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And we can give God praise for that truth and that reality. So blessed are you when you mourn because you will be comforted. And Jamin also said two very important things. I'm going to highlight them and I want to move on. Don't ignore pain. Don't gloss over it. Don't do the Christian thing of I'm fine, but you're really not fine. Don't gloss over it. Don't ignore it. Don't move past it too quickly. But at the same time, don't idolize it. Don't stay there too long, right? Because God's still at work here. He's still got things for you to do here. So yes, make the altar, build the memorial, cry, weep, mourn, knowing that you will be comforted. Some here, fully there. Move, move on, make that altar, and then find out how God wants to use you and move you and, and not make that pain something that you idolize and you just don't move forward. So that is... Um, Great promise in the fact that those that mourn will be comforted. Number uh, Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I'm the least meek person I know. This is the one that I struggle with the most. Um, just ask my children. You can ask my wife. I am quick. Uh, sometimes quick-witted, and that's a blessing and a curse. And sometimes I say the thing I want to say when I want to say it, and I can just be the opposite of meek. And I can be the opposite of gentle, and that frustrates me to no end. But here's what I do know, um, just by my own admission, and maybe you're going to recognize one of these beatitudes and identify really negatively with one man. That's a hard one for me. Here's the truth. Um, recognizing that it's really hard for you is really victory in Jesus because it's where, you know, you can say, hey, in my weakness, he is strong. So what my prayer is in this area of meekness and gentleness is, um, God, I, I don't, I'm not gentle, but I want to be more gentle. I want to be more meek. I want to be more Christ-like in this area of my life. Help me, help me want to want it more, right? I mean, so that's, that's, that's my uh, own just transparency there. And here's the, the good news is um, meekness and gentleness is where you gain power because uh, inheriting the earth speaks of land, which land speaks of power. What Jesus is saying there, the meek are the powerful. Again, upside down world, right? The meek, the gentle, the lowly, they're the ones that have the power. They're the ones that have the control. They're the ones that inherit the earth, right? Um, they shall inherit the earth. It's a future tense thing. Martin Luther King Jr. 
uh, is the embodiment of gentleness and meekness in so many ways. He was on stage speaking when suddenly a, a white member of the Nazi party attacked him while he was speaking. As the guards rushed to pull him away, this angry young man, King, responded calmly, I'm not interested in pressing charges. I'm interested in changing the kind of system that produces this kind of man. I listen to that and I go, man, I need more of that kind of gentleness and forgiveness and meekness in my life. Um, so if you're with me on that, uh, then, then let's just continue to press in and pray and ask the Lord to show us areas where we need to be more gentle and more meek because that's where the real power is. Verse 6 and 8, we're going we're gonna, to um, do those two together. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And then verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our desires were never intended to enslave us. But when Genesis 3 happened and the fall happened, um, they, they did. Sin entered the world. And so desires that were meant to be free and, and joyful in the beginning now enslave us. And we'll unpack that a little bit here in a second. Um, St. Augustine said, Thou madest us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. So it's not our desires. Um, hear me, this is an important distinction. It's not our desires that are bad necessarily, right? So my desire for food and drink isn't evil. It's not bad. It's natural, in fact. My desire for good food and good drink isn't a bad thing. But it's when the vice, right? Picture a vice grip in a tool shop. When the vice of gluttony gets a hold of my desire for food and drink, that's the bad thing. That's, that's when it's trouble, when all of a sudden my desire for food and drink is gripped in the vice of gluttony where I drink more than I should or I eat more than I should and all of a sudden it becomes an idol for me, right? That's the picture here. So it's not the desire we should be upset with, it's the vice, right? Don't attack the desire and beat the desire. Uh, go after the vice. And that only comes through progressive sanctification and discipleship and not even just you can't just blink your eye and want to be like Jesus in these areas. You have to kind of get where he was and do what he did and practice those disciplines of fasting and, and solitude and silence and these things and the scripture and community. So it's not desires that are bad. C.S. Lewis said it like this. It would seem that our Lord God finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to be, who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And so what Jesus is saying here, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness is, hey, don't be so easily pleased with being hungry and thirsty for the things of this world that will surely pass away. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. What he's really saying is, Hunger and thirst desire God. We are born with this innate 
desire to desire God. So when you desire God and you get what you desire, then what do you want? You want more of God. And then you, you all of a sudden will wake up and realize that those vices begin to loosen up their grip. And all of a sudden those desires are, are not enslaved, but they serve us and they serve us well. So that's what Jesus is saying here. And then he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Jesus from the beginning is concerned with our heart. It's not enough to clean up our act on the outside. In fact, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of extortion and rapacity. You blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. That was in Matthew 23, verse 25 and 26. The aim of Jesus is to go after the hearts and change the hearts of sinners. And if we are pure in heart, the promise is we see God. What does it mean to see God? It means that we are admitted into his presence. It's like the doctor will see you now, right? You go into the waiting room, you're there with all the sick people, and all of a sudden the nurse finally comes after after about 45 minutes to an hour and a half and says, the doctor will see you now. Then you go in and you go to the other waiting room, right? Now you wait in that waiting room for a little bit, and then the doctor fully finally comes in, and it's like, yes, I'm in the presence of the doctor. Someone can actually help me right now, right? So to see God, part of that meaning is to be in God's presence, to be awestruck by his glory, and to be comforted by his grace. So those that are pure in heart have that promise. Presence of God, awestruck by his glory, and comforted by his grace. And what does it mean to be pure in heart? The simple definition, but the hard one to follow is, Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Simple. Simple to say, simple words, tough to live out because we don't want that. Um, not part of your heart, right? Not compartmentalized places of your heart. Not with a double or divided heart. That would be impurity. Jesus is calling for the whole heart. Purity of heart is no deception, no double-mindedness, no divided allegiance. When I was dating my now wife, um, I'm sorry, let me say it differently. I was trying to date my now wife. Um, we were really good friends. She lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. I lived in Plano. I was uh, a rich, young youth pastor. And um, on... Dallas is, you know, most eligible bachelor's list for sure. Um, and we had this long distance relationship that in my mind was definitely, uh, I, I was just crazy about her. Um, she wasn't so crazy about me, but that's neither here nor there because look at us. I mean, three, three kids and 20 plus years later, here we are. Um, it, God's good all the time, right? So when, when, when I was dating her, wanting to date her, she, we had this conversation once, and it was, it was life-changing. Um, it, 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 it really defined where we were going to go. She was telling me on the phone, long distance, right? But don't worry, it was after nine o'clock, so it was cheap. Um, so some kids are like, what? Yeah, it was a thing. And we wrote letters, you know, my dearest Jen, it's been a fortnight. I mean, so um, she says to me, Trey, because I'm like, hey, you know, I want to take this relationship to the next level, whatever that means. That's a, this is a paraphrase. She says, I just thought we were great friends. I just wanted you to be my really good friend. And so I said, nope, no, 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 no. I've got all the friends I want. True story. 
I've got all the friends I want. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a wife, and I thought you were her. So talking long distance, I said, uh, so here's the deal. Don't write me. Don't call me. If you just want to be, she's trying to make me the mayor of Friendville, and I'm trying to get out of Friendville as fast as I can. I said, so listen, I love, I love you. Have a great life. But I was looking for a wife, and I thought you were her, but you're not. So there you go. Now, there's a lot that happened in the next few weeks, and she'll tell you that I called first. I'll tell you that maybe I think she called first. But it doesn't matter. We're here 21 years later, three kids. God's good. So that's, but what I was saying to her in that moment is kind of what Jesus is inviting us to. Hey, I don't want, I don't want this kind of half-hearted friendship thing. I want marriage. I want you and I to walk down the aisle. I want to say I do, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I want to give myself to you fully, and I want you to do the same thing to me. Jesus is saying that right here. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those that have no undivided attention. They are purely fully his. They have no undivided uh, distractions or allegiances. Theirs uh, is, uh, they shall see God. Next two verses, we're going to pack them together. Verse seven and nine, so we're skipping here because they go together. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Um, mercy is, is a tough one because it involves uh, us really being vulnerable. But, but here's what I want to do. I want to make it slightly less difficult or task, taxing. Um, two things. We offer mercy to those that need us. And we offer mercy to those that hurt us. This is in Jamin's sermon. I'm just re-quoting him. So let me give him proper accolades. This is one of the things that stood out to me as I was re-listening to the sermon this week. Um, for those that need us, can I, can I just offer you a little bit of practical, like a how do we kind of get started in doing that? Don't make it difficult. You don't need to go create a nonprofit 501c3 organization. You don't need to go jump through a lot of hoops. Just find someone in your world, in your sphere of influence, that you can help and just go help them. Show them mercy, whatever that looks like. Whatever that looks like, just go do it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Just go do it. It might just be as simple as a conversation that you kind of don't want to have, but you should have because they are lonely and they need you. It might be changing a flat tire on the side of a road when it's rainy. It, you never know. But offering mercy to someone is giving them help when they can never repay you. Aesop said, no act of kindness, however small, is ever wasted. So leave here today with the question on your mind, who can I help? And then we offer mercy to those who hurt us. Who can I forgive? That's a hard one, right? But we can do hard things, right? Because it is through our weakness that he is made strong. So some of you in that room, you hear that and your immediate reaction is, nope. But I'm going I'm to just kind of press a little bit on that and say, I, I'm not asking that you would um, unwisely go and get back into fellowship with someone who may have abused you or caused you harm. And I'm not asking you to do something that you're not capable of, but because you've been shown mercy, who do you need to show mercy to, the person that hurt you? So who can you forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Hopefully, 
maybe someone, a, a name, a face, is kind of coming to the forefront of your mind. Who can I help? Who can I forgive? And blessed are the peacemakers. I love this, especially in this climate. Oh, my goodness, in this climate where it's so easy to just take up arms and just be the opposite of a peacemaker. Romans 12, 18 through 21. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So in other words, if at all possible, be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker because you never look more like your dad, your father in heaven than when you are a merciful, peacemaking agent. The last one, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. John Hall, one of our other lay elders, preached this a couple of weeks ago, and it's a fantastic sermon. If you've listened to it already, go listen to it again. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It will challenge you to your core because he's going to say some things, and he's got the right because he's been in India for a good part of his life um, doing a good work in India. And he said, he's got a message for us that the the, the, the American church needs to stop praying for the persecuted church around the world. Stop praying for them to stop being persecuted because they say it is through their persecution that is a means of purifying the church and advancing the gospel. And then I think there's another thing he said that really kind of hurt a little bit was don't really think as an American church you've understood what it means to be persecuted. Don't, don't think that you as an American Christian really understand what it means to be persecuted. Um, Christians around the world understand what that means. And um, the promise is, if you are persecuted, yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's a present tense reality. Um, I would say this. We shouldn't. We shouldn't be surprised or shy away if in the not-too-distant future persecution becomes more of a reality in the American church. And maybe if we're smart and we listen to John, we may not just war, war that off in prayer, but welcome it so that the kingdom of God can be advanced more and more and the church can be purified more and more. Um, so as I summarize, to belong in this kingdom is to surrender to the king, this new upside down world. To be poor in spirit means I give him, I surrender every shred of pride. To mourn, you can give him your pain. To be meek, you can give him your need to avenge, to be loud, to be right. You can be gentle, that's the new powerful. You can be meek, anger's out, meekness is in. To hunger and thirst, you can give him your wants and your desires. To be pure in heart, you can give him your whole devotion to be persecuted. You can welcome rejection and persecution knowing that it's going to serve a greater purpose and mercy and peace. You can give him your hands, your feet, your time. You can act mercifully to someone and you can give him that wounded part of your heart and you can forgive where people have hurt you.
I want you to hear me say this as I'm done after this statement. None of these beatitudes are conditions to receive God's love. I'm going to say that again. None of these beatitudes are conditions for you to receive God's love. In other words, don't get hung up on this being a how-to and if I keep the law, then. No, 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 no. These aren't conditions to receive God's love. Rather, these are the consequences of living a life surrendered to God's love. See the difference? So I can live these beatitudes out when I've surrendered to the love of God, I'm not living these beatitudes out so that I can acquire the love of God. Here in a moment, we're going to respond to this message with communion and an extended time of worship. Um, and we're going to have, uh, at the end of the worship service, we're going to have time for prayer. Uh, if you're new here, we are going to have a, a welcome room over here where the students meet just to get to know you. So those are kind of things, how we're going to respond for the rest of the service. But right now, I'm just going to say a prayer over us. So would you join me in prayer? And then we're going to move into a time of communion. God, we thank you that your word is powerful. It's alive. It's sharper than anything we could even fathom. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And you're in this place by the power of your spirit doing surgery on hearts. God, you're convicting, you're not condemning, but you're convicting of sin, you're convicting of areas that we need to surrender to you, and Lord, you're, you're healing wounds and you're restoring um, the, the broken heart and you're binding up the broken heart, and even as we speak, and God, I thank you that your word can't return void never has, never will. So Lord, the word spoken here today, um, for those that are here in this room and for those that are listening uh, online, God, I pray that you would just do what only you can do, and that is heal, restore, and change lives. So God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for all that you're doing in our midst, and we just ask that um, you would just continue to do work in this place as we move into a time of worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen.